0: Hi everybody! Welcome into another edition. This is Cross Functionality, the show connecting coaching, baseball, softball, male and female, hosted by former college baseball and softball players. Thank you, of course, as always, for making us a part of your day—morning, afternoon, or night. Apple, Google, Spotify—listening on the audio side. We're watching on the Softball Strength Academy. YouTube page. Thank you as always. All right. Today's topic, episode 19, sweet spot for success. Finding that sweet spot, not an easy thing to do in athletics, in life, in business, doesn't really matter at work, relationships. We're going to try to help you out today though on the athletic side, finding the sweet spot for success and being in that zone more times than not. I'm not going to do it myself, though. I'm going to do it with my friend, co-host, softball national champion at the University of Alabama, and current day renowned coach, Cassie Riley bosha Cass, what's going on?
1: Thank you, Jim. All is well. I'm excited to talk about this because um, we did a post a little while ago, and it—I probably got the most texts about this than anything because it's definitely something any former athlete can relate to, and then probably something a coach sees in their athletes a lot too.
0: Right. You know, I got to tell you, I don't really know how to pick these topics. <laughs> <laughs> i just want to throw that out there well done. how's your thanksgiving i have to ask and i have to just tell everybody that thanksgiving food i'm just gonna throw this out there i'm gonna throw this out there on the lab too thanksgiving food absolutely sucks <laughs> i don't like turkey i don't like cranberry sauce yes. i don't like stuffing mm. i only like the dark meat on the turkey and even that isn't really all that good mm. but i hope you had a nice thanksgiving you i did i did listening.
1: my uh my family does a big appetizer spread for thanksgiving we do that at like noon and then dinner's not till later but um i do enjoy the appetizers i think more than the actual dinner
0: (laughs) my my mom made us like some shrimp Mm, shrimp cocktails that was better than the actual meal not that was not an indictment on her cooking either i'm just not (laughs) a turkey fan at this point in my life yeah all right so i would agree with you (laughs) episode 19 sweet spot for success i wanted to find that meaning doing some research and some prep for the show last night this is according to dictionary.com the sweet spot just the sweet spot according to dictionary.com an optimum point of combination of factors or qualities that is best or most effective for people when they're again trying to find that sweet spot so it's like a a baseball or softball bat right that small little spot that you need to hit um finding that optimum point in the bat finding that optimum point in athletics your sweet spot for success
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I wouldn't have even thought dictionary would have defined sweet spot because it's, I, you know, I've always thought of it like either a term that really only baseball, softball players know because of the bat or maybe people who have been involved in some form of psych where they're like, OK, yeah, this is our sweet spot where we're operating at the optimal level of anxiety, let's say, or we're in that state of flow. Uh, but that's a perfect definition, I think.
0: OK, so finding the sweet spot. Now, there's another another. Part of this that I want to define with you as well, and just give an example finding the sweet spot where no part of the body feels as if it's working too hard. Mm. And I mean, I, and you're into you know, fist fitness, and you have a great background in kinesiology, so you understand too that this all this not only stretches from baseball to softball, but it goes all the way out and weaves its way into the fitness world as well. For those who lift, for those who work out, for those who, whatever program you're doing, if you're working too hard in athletics or working really too hard at anything, I think that you're at that point working against yourself and you're going away from trying to find that sweet spot.
1: Yeah, I think, too, you know, because you might hear that. And if you're someone who really attaches your pride to work ethic, you might be like, no, I pride myself in being able to grind through difficult situations. And it's not necessarily saying that, but it's saying that if every single day you're waking up and it is taking all that you got to have to get yourself through your routine, there's probably you're probably not at your sweet spot for your routine if you're going through your lift. And again, it's taking everything you got to go through this. It's nothing feels easy. Nothing about your, everything about it is hard. You're probably not in the right training program. So if you're swinging a bat and it's, it feels like there's a lot of effort going into this uh, in order for me to just get a basic result. Again, we're not at that sweet spot. We're probably too far into one direction. Um, and we need to figure out ways and techniques to teeter ourselves back to neutral.
0: You know, I mentioned that pendulum swinging one way or the other, Earlier in the show, right at the beginning, and talking about that with, with going one way or the other, sometimes you've mentioned this before, and it was in your post as well. Sometimes you're too anxious, and other times you're not locked in enough, and you're mm-hmm. trying to find that middle
1: ground. Sure. And, you know, I had, um, you can use so many different visual cues for this. I had used what looked to seemingly like a bell curve where mm-hmm. um, you have this optimal level of anxiety. And I think the reason I termed it is because I had so many athletes that were almost afraid of anxiousness. They were afraid to feel any of those nerves. And what I wanted to showcase is that there's, you know, when we talk about it, They started to agree there is an optimal level. We don't want to be too low where, you know, you've played baseball in the Northeast. It's 40 something degrees. It is cold. You're miserable. The game's not moving fast. Maybe you're winning 10 to 12 to nothing in the sixth inning and you still have an at-bat. You are not going to feel very good because you're too low. We don't have any positive anxiety circulating through us to help us lock in, focus in, and have a really productive good at-bat. Whereas on the flip end, you know, at the other extreme, Mm -hmm. you know, middle of the summer, every college coach is watching you, it's the bottom of the seventh with the bases loaded, and all of a sudden you start to feel your hand shake, maybe your knees start to shake. And that is, you know, too much anxiety in the other direction. So had you know the, the extremes are easy to recognize. It's how do we recognize when we're where we need to be in the sweet spot area and when we first start to deviate.
0: You know, I don't you mentioned something in there playing in the northeast. I'm not so sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know, though, if playing in the Northeast or playing in a warm weather climate really has much to do with sweet spot for finding that sweet spot for success. And I say that because, you know, everybody always says, well, with players who play in warm weather climates, they're better. They're better players. But if they mentally can't find that sweet spot for success, and I don't care if it's baseball. I don't care if it's shooting free throws and basketball, but we're talking more about outdoor sports here. If they can't find that middle ground and where they need to be mentally, then physically they're just not going to perform and everything is going to be very, very tight for them.
1: Sure. And you know what? Maybe that was me projecting my my personal experience with checking out in really cold games. Yeah. <laughs> well, moment. you're right. No,
0: you're exactly right. I'm I, but you're exactly right with that. Right. But, but I'm it's just not, wondering. No, not contingent yeah, on, on that.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know what? We talk about mental performance preparation for a game. How are you visualizing? What are you talking about with your coaches? How are you assessing your personal confidence level? What's your body language, your negative self-talk? All of those things are going to help you find that sweet spot. It's not going to be just one thing where it says, oh. You do this one thing, you're going to be exactly where you need to be. Of course, it's going to be a process. Of course, it's going to take work and take time. But I really do think that first piece is just the initial awareness of, oh, wow, I'm here. And when do I first leave here? When do I first start to deviate too high or too low? Right.
0: Well, don't forget to follow us on social media. I'm at Jim Tara and Cassie is at coach underscore Cassie RB on Instagram at coach uh, Cassie RB on Twitter. All right, continuing on episode 19 finding sweet spot for success as an athlete as a softball player, as a baseball player. Um when when talking about leaving that sweet spot and you're starting to feel anxious. How does an athlete get over that anxiousness and get back to that middle ground as quick as possible?
1: Sure, I think um you can kind of, you know, if if you're a coach working with an athlete you're probably going to have to figure out exactly what works best for the athlete, but I do yeah. think there's some overarching principles that apply to a lot of athletes, um, and even even older professionals who are are not in the realm of athletics anymore. But um, you know, anxiety usually stems from not being present, right? So your brain is kind of starting to float to, oh gosh, what if I fail in this situation? What if this situation even comes up? Maybe we're starting to feel the anxiety of bases loaded when we're two batters up, and it's just a potential of a situation, right? And so if our brain is floating to the future or to the past, maybe it's being reminded of previous failures or successes, uh, then it's not in sync with our body, right? And in order for us to be our most successful or give ourselves our best chance of success, we need to have both of those in sync. Uh, So any technique to stay in the present, I used to use a little rubber band on my wrist that would snap me back to the present. Some people would pick dirt up and it was like they were dropping those negative self-talks or they were dropping the anxiety out of their hand. So applying some type of physical cue to help you snap back to the present is certainly helpful. Um, other people used to have a saying that they had, you know, they would say, hey, be here, stay in the present. That, that certainly is helpful as well. Um, but anything that helps that brain from floating into those what ifs and what have's used and just, hey, No, no, no. What's the most important thing right now? I need to take a deep breath and do a practice swing. I'm just on deck, you know, just a reminder of where you're at.
0: Yeah. You know, you talked about the rubber band effect before. I'm sorry. I call it the rubber band effect when when Mm -hmm. you slap your wrist with the rubber band. Are there any other techniques that one could use that would get them back to where they need to be?
1: Sure. Um, I think, uh, I can give you at least what I've used with athletes and then what has worked for others. Um uh, some people have redone their batting glove. So under your batting glove one time, strap it back on, uh, take your helmet off, maybe wipe away, whatever you're feeling, put it back on. Um, I had a teammate with a birthmark on her arm. She called it her reset button. Uh, (laughs) I've even seen places go as far as having like this tiny little toilet in the batter's box or excuse me in the, in the dugout because they were trying to flush away previous at bats or previous errors or something like that. You know, short-term, short-term memory stay in the present. What's important now be in the present. So You know, you can have all these techniques and we can talk about them all we want, but just like anything, it's just like a tea drill, like it's not going to work unless you use it, unless you actually buy into it, unless you find what works best for you. Um, And I think too, we had, we had a technique on our team. It was called support sisters, right? And so when you went on a road trip, your roommate would be uh, your support sister that weekend and you had a piece of paper you had to fill out Mm -hmm. And a lot. One of the questions was, Hey when you're not in the present. So when we called it green lights and red lights, right? Green light was the sweet spot. When you're in that red light, um what do you want me to tell you help you with remind you of and you started to learn what was effective and helpful for everybody on your team so come playoffs come the end of the year you've roomed with just about everyone someone's at the plate and you know swings at a high pitch you know that puts them in red lights and you know that reminding them hey there's millions of people in china that don't care you just swung at that pitch is helpful for her (laughs) you know (laughs) so again it's, it's getting to know your teammates as a coach as as a teammate and then um trying to figure out, you know, hey, this is what can work for everybody here.
0: How do you do it in practice now? Because we're talking about more in game, but how do you find that sweet spot in in practice, even when you're just doing soft toss, front toss, or just T drills?
1: Sure. I would would presume practice is a little bit more go through the motions, right? So you're probably not as focused, probably the other end of the spectrum. You know, I'll see athletes come in and they're either burnt from taking tests at school or maybe they didn't have school all day. They sat on the couch all day and they're just not awake and they're not here and I need to snap them into something productive. Um, I really like the idea of variability. So, Hey, you know what? I know you typically go on the bike every time when you come in here, but we're going to, we're going to change this up. And all of a sudden they're like, well, we're doing something different and they can't just lean back on the same old, let me go through the motions of something completely different. So varying and challenging so that, you know, not that they're failing every single time doing it, but that they have to heighten their focus a little bit, or maybe we start with a game where they're, kind of, again, getting into a little bit of a competitive realm, those things help athletes snap into that sweet spot when they're a little low. Um, But, you know, it, and the, and the other breath too, we have, we have certain environments where we have team training environments. It's the varsity team that's coming to train. And there's a freshman who's probably shaking in her boots and we need to work on those techniques we just talked about to calm her back down into her sweet spot, you know? So, um you can you can utilize them in a lot of ways but i, I do like to bring people back up it is some variance some challenges and some competition
0: so okay what about as you mentioned a good point in there with players sometimes they come in and they're just going through the motions they're not there they're there presently they're not there mentally they're mm-hmm. there in the present not there mentally how do you snap them out of of going through those motions and get them mentally to where they need to be so they can actually get something out of practice. Because it's very prevalent with high school athletes. Mm-hmm. If it's strength training, if it's in cage work or just regular practice, it, it happens way more times than really it should, quite frankly. But it does. Teenagers, they, they get to a point where they're just not mentally there.
1: Totally get it. Uh, When I was in the weight room a lot, the thing I would do is I would completely shut an athlete's program down. I'd take their program away. I'd write them a new one on the board and say, this is what you're doing today. And they'd look and be like, this is too easy. And I'd say, well, you're not focused enough to do your actual program today. Or you're not giving enough effort to do your actual program today. So we're going to, I have to take a safer route now. And that used to kind of shock them into like, okay, okay, okay. I get it. I get it. I need to be a little bit more present because when you're asking athletes to load themselves, like weight on their back, deadlifting, that's, that's a completely different safety issue. When it comes to hitting, whether I'm in a team environment or a small group environment, sometimes getting away from the repetitions, because I'm getting frustrated. uh, The athlete probably feels a little frustrated or, or out of it slowing the session down and completely resetting and being like, let's go back to why, why are you here? Why are we doing this? Give me one thing that we need to focus on and work on today. And, you know, maybe they feel overwhelmed and they just need to work on crushing the ball and not thinking. And it's, and then all of a sudden their drills are going to be very different than something that is super technique based that I originally had planned for them. Um, And, you know, maybe sometimes the reminder of like, Hey, you know what, I'm, I'm here because I want to win a state championship as a team. Well, that's great. This is not something a state championship team does, is check out and go through the motions. You show up even when you don't feel like it. Champions do things they don't feel like. And, you know, Murphy mentioned two weeks ago, there's 307 teams. What do the other 306 do? Well, if you want to be that last team to win a championship, you got to be doing things differently than what feels natural to everybody else. And, um, you know, sometimes those little reminders are really, really helpful in that practice environment.
0: Well, we love talking about coaching on a weekly basis. If you have any questions, please email us. We always give abundance of information, Podcast 21 at gmail.com. If anybody has any questions, we'll be glad to answer them for you or reach out to us on social media and ask your questions or leave your comments, concerns there. Now, be careful because you may end up in the spam folder on the uh, Gmail account. But nevertheless, email us, Podcast 21 at gmail.com. Let's discuss the best steps, Cass, going forward in trying to find that sweet spot for success. You made a list on your post, and there are certain steps that athletes probably should take that would really help them going forward in trying to find that sweet spot for success.
1: Sure. I think, you know what, I think it, even preceding everything else, is just having overall awareness. Mm -hmm. So if journaling is how you gain awareness, if it's talking with uh, a coach or a parent, constructively is how you bring awareness to the situation. I think that is probably step one. You have to start to recognize when you're one in that sweet spot, the very first time you start to come out of it, where it's like, you know what? I started to think about my next at bat when I was on defense, that's when you want to snap your, you know, use your tactics to snap out of it. Um, the other thing, too, is I think starting to, keep, you know, what journaling helps with is keeping a timeline of like, hey, I had a phenomenal practice, a week of practice or phenomenal week of games. What was I doing to prepare mentally? Well, I was watching video of uh my like my highlight tapes before. or Maybe I was just watching, um, you know, one of my favorite hitters hit. Yeah. I was journaling what I wanted to focus on. i I had a really great support sister. Whatever that may be, you're starting to try to figure out this timeline, this scavenger hunt essentially of of how do I get myself back in that situation. And I think it's super valuable to go and find other professionals that are doing things and say, you know what, I'm gonna try that out. I'm gonna try this out. I'm gonna try this routine. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, you're still trying to figure out what works best for you and what w- works best for you in high school, might be tweaked a little bit, come college, might tweak a little as a professional, but you're trying to figure out how do I get myself, mentally in that situation where I can, I can really uh, hone in on and, and, and showcase my abilities to the best I can.
0: When you see a kid male or female and on a certain day, and they're just not there mentally mm. and you can see it, you can just tell what tactics do you use as a coach? How do you pivot and audible to get that kid, get the most out of that kid that day physically and help them get better?
1: Sure. I think, you know, sometimes uh this is where getting to know the athlete is really helpful. Right. Um, you know, I have athletes more times than not that come in talking like that or yeah. acting like this and and I know that they have four or five APs, that they struggle with getting the right amount of sleep. So I can kind of start to broach that conversation with them and be like, how are we feeling today? How much sleep did you get? And they know it's coming from a good place. And I, to be honest, this is part of the reason why I love being a private instructor is cuz they know I'm not asking them this because I'm expecting production out of them on the field. I'm not I'm not anticipating they need to get home runs or doubles. I'm actually just genuinely concerned, "Hey, what's going on at home? How's it how's how's everything going?" Um, and it's to be honest, like, like starting to
0: cut you off. It's almost yeah, like you're, you're almost, as a private coach, you're like their godparent.
1: I could be, speak. yeah, a little bit more of a mentor, exactly. Right, so yeah. I can, exactly. The godparents are good. I always just say I'm like, I'm like an aunt or uncle. I don't have to be the parent, <laughs> you know. discipline. I can, yeah, I can, and they know. Again, I'm not, I'm not expecting anything else out of them other than just wanting to know how they're doing. And I hope they can trust that. And I hope a lot, of, I know there's a lot of coaches in our world that are doing that, but I also know there are other coaches who will look at an athlete in that situation and be like, come on, get your head out of your butt. Like, let's go. You know what I mean? And, and just <laughs> yeah. be a little harsher approach. Uh, I Uh This generation, especially when you, when you learn and when you read about generational differences, they don't respond or they're not responding as well to the harshness and they are wanting to just be, Heard or understood or whatever it may be. So I, I just I guess meeting them halfway and, and not being afraid to take maybe half the reps you were planning on taking yeah. and talk to that athlete a little bit more. And sure, maybe that's a little bit more of the female approach um, that I have as as a female. I'm probably gonna lend to that a little bit more. Um, but that's sometimes the most effective session. And and maybe it wasn't that one session that was the most reps, but we've the next four and five we have are so much better because of. We slowed it down and talked a little bit more in that first session. Now Um, we're
0: getting yeah, and now we're going to get into the weeds here because mm -hmm. sometimes there are athletes that are so great and just have superior athletic ability, a superior skill set, but they struggle to find that sweet spot for success, and they struggle to do it consistently. And Mm -hmm. this stretches into multiple coaching sessions, multiple games where they're pressing too much or they're tuned out? How do you mentally get them into a place where they can find that sweet spot for for success? Because this is a superior athlete, but the confidence is just lacking at that point.
1: Sure. And I think, you know, I think you can talk to certain athletes about, hey, you're going to be, your physical game is going to be limited by your mental ceiling, right? So mm-hmm. we, it doesn't matter how good you are, if we cannot find this area, if we cannot identify it, if we cannot uh, get to it, if we cannot get ourselves out of the extremes and back to it in the middle of a game, right, how quickly can we adjust, then we're going to just not be able to showcase what we're actually capable of. Now, if you have an athlete who's a little bit less talented, let's say, maybe they are still in the develop- developmental phase and they're in practices and they're seeing, you know, these other hitters hit balls over the fence in, in BP, like it's no big deal. The conversation you have with them is, well, look. This can be your unf- your your unfair advantage, or your your yeah. like the secret sauce that you can just be so much more mentally equipped that you can actually showcase a, a larger percentage of your talent and outperform some more god gifted athletes. Let's say because that you you just have that mental prowess over them. And I'm sure like someone like a Dustin Pedroia, and you know they they're not physically gifted as with height and size, but yet they had you know he's had a phenomenal professional career. Um, probably because he's, he's honed in on other skills that have allowed him to to perform super consistently.
0: Well, I got one for you and you'll like this one. Jose Trevino of the Yankees.
1: There you go. Yeah. yeah. That is exact. exactly another, you know, it's just, right. there's certain athletes that are just not going to be as physically gifted. Um, and you know, at, at the end of the day, sometimes genetics is right. King, you, you can't yeah. train yourself to be six, four when you're not, but like I just said, you can you could potentially outperform a 6'4 player when you're only 5'8", 5'9", 5'10", whatever it is, uh, by just having that mental prowess to be super consistent. I think I think the guy who led the Cape Cod League this year, who's on the radar for a bunch of scouts, is about 5'8". Nothing, nothing to you know what I mean? He's one yeah, of the best. He, was, he was the MVP. He was a phenomenal hitter. He remained super consistent. Um, I got to coach him when we were at that Red Sox Yankees uh, scout game, mm-hmm. and he went zero for five in his first five at bats. It was it was like a seventeen inning game, something like that. And uh, he was the exact same leaving the dugout, coming into the dugout before and after every at bat. And he finished his last three at bats with uh, two doubles and a home run. Yeah. So, you know that. That to me is like okay, that's somebody who's who is figuring out like my performance is not dictating my mental sweet spot right now, and that's I think super important.
0: You know, I forgot to ask you how things went in Pittsburgh, in Bradenton with Pittsburgh.
1: Yes, that was awesome. How was the experience? It's such a cool experience to be a fly in the wall. Such a Mm -hmm. cool experience to see how their minor league is really trying to. take away like this. Hey, your hands have to do this. And this is exactly what the angle of the bat needs to be. And it's more of an implicit learning style. And so much of that organization is driven by the coaches and athletes. Uh, The culture there is, is very open. Obviously they're inviting people to come be a fly on the wall and give them feedback on just what I see as a coach and with hitting. Um, But yeah, it's very, very cool. And uh, certainly very neat to see so much of the drills that you know, we're doing so much of the drills or the ways we're trying to implement hitting are, are very similar to what's going on at the the professional levels.
0: Yeah. What, what, what things did they talk about hitting wise that they want to implement, continue to implement with their players?
1: So they have a very, you know, I always say that we have this unfair advantage as a private facility, that we have rehabilitation, strength and conditioning and skill yeah. all under one roof. And they certainly yeah. do too. So as far as what they are able to see in the hitting evaluation, Then they report to strength and conditioning, who takes it off the force plate and then says, Yeah, we're definitely seeing this deficit in the ability to absorb force. So this is how we're designing the strength training program. Athletic training goes and doubles checks that there's no uh, red flags or previous injuries causing this (laughs) ability to not be able to absorb force. And then all of a sudden you have a one coach to two athletes and that one coach knows exactly what this hitter needs to work on with, you know, they're, they they are not controlling their center of mass as well. They're drifting too far forward in their center of mass. And we're going to do uh, you know, it's not necessarily we're going to do these drills, but we have these chunks of drills in mind that could probably work. At least one of these is going to work for this athlete, and then everyone is just going trying to get this one athlete better at this one thing. So it's very yeah. specific and it's it's very defined, and it's very very cool to see, you know, six four, two hundred something pound athletes absolutely mash balls on a baseball field. <laughs>
0: yeah, must have been nice too to come down to semi warm weather at that point, right?
1: yes it's 60s, 70s being a t-shirt and shorts outside i'll take that all day yeah
0: (laughs) next week episode 20 of cross functionality we will be discussing a pretty simple topic preparing for games the proper way to prepare physically proper way to prepare mentally for games baseball softball doesn't really matter but that's our topic next week episode 20 preparing for games i think i hit on everything today that we need to finding the sweet spot for success i
1: was taking notes this morning on it and thinking about it It's, it's honestly it's You know, another thing I learned from the Pirates, because I was expecting to go there and ask all these questions and get really definitive answers. There's never going to be that in coaching. And especially with hitting, it's there's so much variability, so much uh, adjustability, so much. Hey, it's going to depend on the athlete and it might depend on the day what works for them. And it might depend on athlete to athlete what works. But as a coach, that's part of the fun is to continue to try, continue to get to know your athlete and continue to figure out what's going to help them perform at their best.
0: Yeah. All right. So that's next week, episode 20, preparing for games. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, watch the show on YouTube, softball strength Academy, YouTube page, and we will talk to you all next week.